So we are continuing in Mark chapter 4, and I want to ask this and answer this question, hopefully today. What brings kingdom fruitfulness? How can we be fruitful for God's kingdom in our lives today, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our church, where God has called us to? That's where I want to focus in the, the, uh, the message in this week. You know, this passage has a ton of really challenging, difficult things to, to answer. I mean, when you first read through it, it's going to, especially if you're paying attention, it's going to lead you to, to scratch your head. And as soon as you start to think, okay, I think I've got an idea of what that means, you, it starts to slip away and it becomes difficult. One of the things is I realized when I was studying this is that there is a lot of unity in, in the whole idea of chapter 4, verse 1, running all the way down past 20, which we're looking at today, down to verse 34. Next week's section, which is 26 through 34, really gets into some of those difficult questions. You know, questions like, why is it that some people get a parable and it's confusing? Like, well, how is that helpful, Jesus? And other people seem to get a clear explanation of what he's talking about. So this week, I want to zero in on the clear explanation because he's emphasizing fruitfulness. What is a person? What is a heart? What is that person like? that bears much fruit for God's kingdom, for his glory. And that, that's emphasized in, especially when he, in verse 20 where he says, but those who are sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I want that to be a part of my life. And of course, you know, uh, fruitfulness is an important part of our church. And our vision says to, to see all people walking together with God, bearing fruit for his kingdom. And we did that because we don't want to just share the gospel and get people saved. We want to teach them to obey God's commandments and to follow him. And the result of that is fruitfulness. He's called us to be fruitful in this life, not for ourselves, not to make money and to be successful from the world's eyes, but to be fruitful for God's kingdom, fruitful in the kind of things that matter to him. And if you remember when we walked through Acts together a little over a year ago, we came to Acts 9. I just want to highlight how parallel this verse is to the, to the um, parable of the four soils. It says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. They were walking in two things, in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What was the result? It multiplied. There are two things that, that influence every person's decision more than anything else that which we fear and that which we seek comfort on, our desires, the things that we're pursuing and the things that we're running from. A healthy Christian that's walking with God is one whose fear is the Lord and whose comfort is the Holy Spirit. The natural result is multiplication. So let's walk through this passage and I've got a, a graphic that I want to show you on the screen here or on my whiteboard. 
there are four soil types, a path, rocky soil, thorns, and a good soil. And the whole question is, how do you get fruitfulness? What do you need for fruitfulness? And there's all of these conditions you see. We need a seed, we need germination, we need quality soil, which is defined by a soil depth with no rivals like weeds and thorns and other things like that. And if you have each of these things, seed, germination, and quality soil, there is fruitfulness. Now, all four get the seed. It falls on all four of them. Only three of them have germination. Soil depth, that's a problem in the rocky soil. There's rocks, but there's a little bit of soil, but not enough, because as soon as the sun comes out, there's not enough roots to sustain it. There is some soil quality soil in the thorns, but there's another problem, and that is there are rivals. So I don't know about the rocky soil, but there are certainly rivals in the thorny soil, none in the good fruit. There is no fruit, no fruit, no fruit, and then here we get 30, 60, or 100 times in fruitfulness. So let's just walk through Jesus' explanation, the passage, starting at verse 14. It says, the sower sows the word. That's the gospel. We've seen throughout the beginning of Mark, Jesus saying over and over, his clear message is, the kingdom has arrived, repent and believe the gospel. That's his message. Then multiple times it says he preached to them, he preached to them, he preached to them. The word, it is the gospel that he's preaching. He's not giving them messages about how to be successful in life, manage your money, improve your marriage. It is the gospel. That is his message. The sower is the one who sows the word, spreading it out. And it said, these are the ones along the path. So now he's explaining the path. Uh, where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. In other words, it doesn't even get a chance to germinate. Verse 16, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. They get it. They understand it. And they're excited about it. But there's a problem. They have no root in themselves but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. They fear the wor world and what's coming at them in this world more than they fear a holy God. Their fear is out of whack. They're making their decisions based on what they see right around them versus eternity. And let me just hit some important verses on this idea. Isaiah 43, 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Christian, Jesus Christ has redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When the creator of the world claims you with that kind of, in that kind of intimate, he knows your name, he has claimed you kind of way, what do you have to fear? Joshua getting a, uh, you know, a pep talk from God. He says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What if your wingman was God himself? Is there anything to fear? Hebrews 13, 6, so we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What a question. Brothers and sisters, when you are afraid of what might happen, what might come from the world, what can man do to me when the Lord is my helper? In Revelations 12, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him. They have conquered Satan. These Christians have conquered Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. That is fearlessness even to the point of facing down Satan. All because of what God has done for them. Brothers and sisters, if our fear is not rooted in God, the fear of God, we fear other things more than we fear Him, then we are not placing our fear where it rightly should belong, and we will not be fruitful. And then he goes on in Mark 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. They hear it. There is some type of germination, but there's a problem. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. If our desires are not in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, as it said in Acts, if our desires are not first for God, but they are for other things, the competing, powerful, uh, enticing uh, desires and things to get of this world from all the different things that we desire. We desire influence. We desire money. We desire credit. We desire sex. We desire fun. We, we desire all these things for ourselves more than we desire God. The result is we will not be fruitful. Jesus later on in Mark says, and he looks around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Money is a powerful force that distracts us from what really matters, the reality of eternity. Colossians 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I have a feeling that if we could actually look right now into the throne room of God, we would desire those things more than all the things that are right around us. He goes on, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Where is your, uh, your, your pleasure seeking? What do you fantasize about? What are you hoping for? Uh, what are the things that you're pursuing with your mind and your energy and all those kinds of things? Are they of this earth or are they above? 
For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. All these things are the pleasures and the desires of this world. We've got to put them to death, and if we don't do that, we will not be fruitful in God's kingdom. First Timothy, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. Look, he's got desire, desire that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Jesus said that you cannot serve money and also serve God. You, you, you will either love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. Brothers and sisters, what is your passionate desire? What are the things that you're pursuing? And brothers and sisters, if that is not God, then you will not be fruitful for God in his kingdom. And Jesus says in verse 20, but those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. The good soil hears it, accepts it, and follows it. When God is convicting and He is directing us through His word about what we're fearing, what we're running from, when He's convicting us and directing us and teaching us through His word, about what our passions and our desires are. Are we responding to that? Are we listening to Jesus say, repent and believe the gospel? I'm here to rescue you those, from those things and not just rescue you, but lead you into fruitfulness. Again, our desire as a church is to see all people walking together with God and bearing fruit for his kingdom. The church multiplied in Acts 9 because they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's how we will grow. That's how we will grow and how we will minister in our lives and do it in a way that is that matters to God in a kingdom fruitful kind of way through his power. And I'm excited about looking at next week's passage and we tease out some of the things that he talks about that, again, there's some, there's some brain teasers here. There's some questions, serious questions about, the, you know, why is it that some people get the details and some people get the mystery? All of that gets back to some of these questions about listening to God and following him. Mm-hmm.